All right, welcome to another episode of FTU, Life After the Military. I'm your host, Tony Rodriguez, and today I'm joined by a good friend, uh, Eddie. used to be in Charlie 97th. I still refer to it as Charlie 97th because that's how we started, and actually that was the best time of my uh, career, so that's what I like to remember it, as, right and not so much as the Ocho. <laughs> nah, the Ocho's the new nickname for it, which I'm... Dislike very much from the first time I heard it. So, Eddie retired. When did you retire, Eddie? About a couple uh, years ago? Back in 2020. June 1st, 2020 was my retirement date. So All right. I call so, myself a COVID retiree. <laughs> so, can you talk, talk to us a, a little bit about that? How, what was your, your process to retire? Did you have a strategy and I guess an exit plan, how to escape out, and then how was that affected by COVID? Yeah, definitely. Yes, I did have a, a exit plan. I always knew I was going to serve uh, twenty years and punch out. That was my plan from the first time I enlisted. Um, thankfully, it worked out for me that I landed at Swick for my last duty station. And I was there as the dot D uh, trainer developer for a CA SLC and the Army Master Leaders Soft Master Leaders course. So once the initial shock of arriving at SWIC wore off, about six months, I started focusing on retiring while well, doing work, whatever the tasks I received for those two courses. But after about the two-year mark from retirement, I started really focusing on myself, receiving, uh, going to medical appointments I had not gone to due to whatever. I'm an Army dude. I got to be tough. Oh, I'm at SWIC or I was in SOF. I got to be tough and suck it up. And, yeah, it hurts, but I have to suck it up. So I started basically going to appointments, which I should have been going for years and that kind of screwed me at the end because going to these appointments, they're like, how long has it been hurt? Uh, you know, have you had this issue? Oh, like 10, 15 years. Like, oh, why didn't you ever come here? Like, oh, because I got to suck it up and move on. They're like, nah. So anyways, so started about two years, like I said, two years from retirement. Started focusing on myself. Medically, mentally was a big, uh, mental health was a big hurdle for me to even uh, acknowledge that there was something wrong in the noggin. I mean, I always thought of myself as a have a couple loose screws up there anyways, you know. That's just who I am or how I describe myself, so it, it don't matter. But it started affecting me, and I noticed it when it was affecting life at home with my kids or my family. So that's when I started really like, uh-oh, I need to, and I need to listen to the old-timers. They're telling me, go get your head checked out. So I started doing that, and which helped tremendously, and I appreciate. And I tell, and now everyone that I talk to that are either in the process of retiring or still in, I was like, dude, go get your, go to mental health, man. Let's get rid of that stigma that's bad, or whatever. You're weak. You're not. You know, it's not about that. It's about taking care of yourself, and it opens your eyes to issues that you have that you can fix with the tools they give you. So that was my process pretty much. Uh, it was somewhat 
smooth in a way, but it came so fast. And once my packet was accepted by up at DA or HRC, I was just, I was running appointment after appointment, you know, moving medical stuff, mental health stuff, trying to figure out what programs, trying to do uh, programs, you know, hire our heroes or home heroes and all that stuff, try to get into a couple of those. But then at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? It's not for me. So I just decided not to go into those programs, which they look great on paper. And some of the guys that I've known that have gone into those programs are really successful, but it just wasn't for me. So anyways, uh, retirement date came. I felt so good. Awesome. I'm finally out of the army and COVID my last, so my last day in the army official uniform was February 25th, 2020. That was the beginning of COVID <laughs> as we knew it. So no one cared. No one did anything. So I had several months of a transition leave. And once June hit or March, April, I believe, was when COVID was becoming serious. Everything shut down. I was like, okay, what do I do now? So I sat in a, I was like, okay, VA, you can't do anything with medical because VA is shut down because they can't see you. So, yeah, it took. It was a while before I even heard anything from VA or trying to figure out what to do, basically. So, yeah. It was interesting. And then VA hit full on and we were, everybody thing was shut down. So you're like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> Luckily, I was retired and I had income coming in. But yeah, it was interesting. I said, lots of, I learned a lot during those two years that I should have been preparing for it way beyond the two years. But yeah, it was interesting to say the least. So before we came on, we were talking about a little bit about the transition. And I've said multiple times that uh, when I decided to retire, I did not want to give the military any credit for my success afterwards. You know what? Screw you guys. This is all me. Like you're not getting any of this. Like I'm going to sink or swim on my own. Right. And I'm not going to say, oh, I got this job because uh, my boy hooked me up because we used to be in mm-hmm. CA or we were paratroopers or jump masters together. None of that nonsense. And I tell people that was probably the worst thing I could have done. Right. Um, because there was no safety net. Exactly. Right? And me knowing my personality, I knew that I couldn't be home for too long because I was going to go nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we were locked down, in COVID, I was going nuts. Right. Um, so how did you go about, you know, I was lucky because I med boarded. So they held my hand um, filling out the VA pack or the packet for my claim. But how did you, I guess, address that issue? And because you were talking about it, about how in depth it was for you. Could you go into that? Because like you said, there are a lot of people who just don't do it for whatever reason. I I don't know why. 
Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, uh, so the VA process for me, like I said, started, uh, well, medically, I started addressing all the issues two years out. When I started, when I began the VA process, you know, I'd listened to all the, I said, I had some old timers working with me that had been retired for years. And I had several buddies that had just retired within the last three years, two years, one year from when I retired. So I, was, I would pick their brain, you know, and ask them questions. And one thing that I kept hearing over and over was be meticulous when filling out the documents for your medical physical, your last physical you get in the army, be meticulous when filling that out, go back all the way back to when you were in basic training. Now, remember if you had an injury or, or whatnot, write that down and look, go get your medical records you know, we'll get copies of your medical records, all your x-rays, even dental work. Go get all that, you know. So that's what I did. And it was a lot. It's a lot of work to put in 20 plus or however many years of medical stuff. And then you, you're you like, okay, I got all my records. What do I do now? And they're like, start writing. Go by dates. You know, start writing from when you first came in and go through your records in order. Find out injuries, you know, were you hospitalized? Did you have surgeries? How do you feel now? Did you go back, keep going back for a nagging issue? You know, it was a lot of work just right, doing the research on your own. And I, I would spend up to about, I don't know, on the weekends, Saturdays, Sundays, four, six hours a day just writing stuff down. And, get, and it, all that was just getting ready for the VA so when I have my documents, when I go to the VA for their assessment, I have all that documentation ready, plus my medical records, plus whatever, you know, other. Sometimes the Army sends us out to these specialty doctors outside. Well, I had to write, call, research a lot of these doctors at Chapel Hill, at Duke, at uh, Southern Pines. You know, I was in uh, Texas for a couple of years. I had to call look them up and call them up and have them mail me or email my files. So it's, it's just a lot of work. And I was, sometimes I was like, damn, I'll just skip this. All that. But I was like, no, I can't do that. Cause it's, this is my livelihood at the end of the day. Yeah. I volunteered. I'm glad I volunteered. I enjoyed the hell out of it. As you know, I loved it. But at the end of the day, it's not that I, was owed anything back, but I do feel that whether it's the army or the government and the VA, whoever in this case has to take care of us once we're out. And that's the way I looked at it. It's like, you know what? I don't, I don't owe it. I don't, I don't need it or I didn't, but they do need to take care of us. And that's why I did it. And so, yeah, it, it worked out for me. Fortunately, but it took weekends of instead of going doing stuff, I was sitting down, <laughs> writing stuff out, researching, you know, and it's only you and you can do it because you, you're the only one that remembers when you were on that ruck march or you that had that one bad landing and you're like, oh, man, but I never went to the doctor for it or well, I got fell off doing this or this or whatever, you know. And, yeah, started doing that. And it was just meticulous work, painting, you know, painting the behind and. Just got it done, and it was well worth it at the end because, like I said, it came out good for me. You know, I was blessed. 
and it's good now. So yeah, but it was hard work, and also, I mean, for me, also SWIC afforded me the opportunity to, you know, be able to leave work and go do research or go to appointments and stuff. Like we were talking earlier off air, uh, I know for the dudes down in the battalion or line companies, you got to do your job, you know, which would be adds more stress and difficulty to doing your research or whatever. Can you, when you get home, if you're married or you have kids, well, guess what? <laughs> you got to tend to that, <laughs> you know, on the weekends. Oh, you know, little Joey has soccer or whatever, you know, so you got to do that. So, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it was worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, so you mentioned about, like, not going to have things checked out. So in 20 years of being in the military, I went to sick call twice. Um, once because I had a cyst on my wrist. Mm-hmm. And then another time I just went in to see if I could get um, some allergy medicine, right? Oh. And that was it. And wow. even trying to get that allergy medicine, um the PA that was there was such a moron that I just left. It's like, keep your, I'll, I'll go buy my own flow I, I, I couldn't spend the 25 bucks. Right. And uh, so it wasn't until my last appointment to Indo-Paycom, I, I came back and I had this issue, right? And so I decided to go in. And then after that, I realized, because before for sick call, like you had to show up at 630 in the morning, right? Right, right. And then what I didn't realize is that, um, the newer system, you could just go in and you could schedule your own appointment. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't have to be there at 630. You could schedule it for whatever open date they had. Right. Um, so then I just started going in for everything, right, for my shoulders. And they looked at one shoulder, put semi physical therapy. It, it felt like it was worse. Finally got an MRI. They said, like, your shoulder needs to be completely replaced. Like, there's no surgery that we can do to fix this. Right. So I went back for my right shoulder and then my, my back. And so that year was just medical appointments. And, uh, I'm glad I did it because it made my transition out a lot easier because I had a bunch of x-rays and a bunch of MRIs. Um, at one point they, stuck me in the tube in the MRI machine uh, to get four MRIs. So I was in there for about two hours, which was excruciatingly painful, but I needed to get them done. So I appreciated that. So I guess if you're listening to this and you're out there, if you're still in, please make sure you're taking care of yourself and you're going out there. Um, just to get, have things checked out. You know, I'm not saying going to sick call every day just because you stub your toe or you want to get out of a run, but your health is important, both physical and mental. No, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I went to sick call. You felt kind of bad going to sick call because the way they made you feel <laughs> if you even had to go to sick call, you know, and the mentality of one as well. But I, I did go, and I'm glad I went. And there's sometimes I, I just didn't go because I was like, ah, it's just a, a sprain or a, I don't feel right. So, but it's just me or something. But yeah, I don't know. I hear you, you know. But it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely take care of yourself, take care of your body, take care of your, of your, of your brain, man. It's crazy how much, how gone we've 
we've come to be able to even acknowledge mental health, you know, before, hey, uh, there's uh, this one dude in our, back in a Charlie company, his famous saying was, oh, you know, like, or if you're complaining about whatever, you know, you're hurt or whatever, he's like, hey, I have a pill. <laughs> you're like, what? He's like, do you want a pill? You're like, what do you mean? He's like, it's called suck it the F up pill, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which was funny. But in reality, he was just telling you like, hey, be quiet, no matter if you're hurting or not. And just go forward, man. That was old Diego. Remember Diego? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was funny as hell. And, I, and guess what? Later on in life, when I moved up in the ranks and I was in, them, in those positions, guess what I was saying? Hey, you're hurting, you know, Here, here's a pill. They're like, what, you know, which is, I mean, you can do that, but at the same time, you know, we got to be more supportive of if dudes hurt. And I actually learned that lesson really well in Afghanistan uh, when I was deployed. Uh, and I was, I was at the siege sort of headquarters and some dude hurt his, I forgot what happened. And it was a, I forgot how he, what happened. He was hurt. He couldn't stand up. His back was done. And yeah, I think it was, uh, I forgot who it was, but it was, I think it was Colonel at the time, Colonel Fletcher, who's not a two-star, uh, General Fletcher told him, Hey man, you need to go to your hooch, sleep it off, you know, go to, go to the doctor, go get, see what's going on. And, I don't know. Don't go take care of yourself. You know, this is in Afghanistan, you know, like don't worry about being here. We'll, you know, we'll pick up your slack. Just go take care of yourself, man. And he was like, Oh, I can't do that. You know? And he's like, he's like, all right, now I'm going to give you an order. I need you to leave your, you know, and go take care go to your hooch and rest or go see the doc and see what's going on. He's like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> No, we didn't see him for two, three days. He came back. He was much better, man. You know, checked on him. Yeah, he was doing all right. But, but that's lessons like that, you know, like you're like, oh, shit. Oop. No, he did it. You know, he took care of him in that environment where it's that saying, no, we're not hardware. We're not equipment. We're human beings. You know, you got to take care of your of the dudes and take care of each other. So yeah, that was that was interesting. That was good. So, it was good good eye opener for me and good learning uh for me as well. I, I mentioned it multiple times on this podcast that um, you know, I had a drinking problem, right? And mm-hmm. uh because I was dealing with problems in my head. Right. And we all drank way too much yeah, we back do. in the day. Like it it was it's amazing that we didn't die. Yes. Know? I thank God every day that none of us was uh injured. And we didn't injure anyone else. Definitely. You know, um, but I mentioned this, you know, this I think was the best thing that happened with the worst thing that happened to me in my military career was also the best thing that happened to me in my military mm-hmm. career. Uh, getting sent home from Paraguay for drinking. Yeah. The best thing that ever happened to me. Cause one, mm-hmm. it made me realize that the army is a war machine. Right. And it does not matter what the army says or what the temporary leadership says. They're only concerned about the soldier. 
mm-hmm. not the individual. So can the soldier still do his job? But if you're getting, being sent home from Paraguay, no, now you're a liability. You're no longer an asset. Right. And then the people who I thought were my friends, there were a lot of them that were like, well, that guy is just, he's a dirtbag. Mm-hmm. Persona non grata. Right. And so it took me a while to stop drinking. And then it still took me even longer to actually address the, the problems that I had in my head. Um, but I'd like to think that I'm in a better place um, now. And I know there are some people that were with us in Charlie. I still haven't done that. Mm-hmm. And, and I wish, you know, I hope that if they're listening to this, that they're, you know, because I've had Jesse on here. I've had Junior on here. Right. Um, and we all say the same thing. Like, it, it's okay. It's okay to go get some help. So it if is. you're listening to this, yeah, Jimmy, I don't know where you are. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't seen, I haven't heard or anything from Jimmy in years, man. I th- I'm not sure. If he, I think he's still in Fayetteville. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's not. He he went out west, and oh, really? we, we've all lost touch with him. But yeah, and he's went out west and not like, as far as I know, not doing so well. Oh man! And so, Jimmy, yeah. if you're listening to this, like, give one of us a call. Like, I know I wasn't your favorite person, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But if you need help, I don't think anyone was, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely, man. Drinking is, uh, I jokingly say I started, you know, I received my uh, bachelor's, master's, and PhD from the Army in drinking, as as well as in other life uh, important or stuff that I'm proud of, you know, in the military and the Army. But yeah, it is. It's a drinking environment. And, uh, I'm I'm the same way with you. I thank God every day for one for allowing me to live and wake up every day. Two for protecting me from not causing harm while drinking or for myself. You know, but uh, yeah, it's tough, man, and uh, it happens to every all of us, and some of us can uh, control it, which is still not a good thing. Some of us, like yourself, superiorize it where you just leave it alone, you know, and not drink anymore. But for some of us, it, it's just the monkey on our back that we cannot let go of, you know. And it, it's, I don't know if it's a environment thing or is it something you're born with or you're, the way you're brought up or something, but it, it is Definitely something that needs to be addressed. And it has been addressed in the Army. I, I don't, you know, but yeah, it's tough. And I might mean like punish the dudes, you know. Like, why is it a career-ending issue in the Army to get a DUI as an E6, E5, E7, but yet in the civilian world, you can get a DUI and it's nothing, you know. They don't fire you from your oh, unless you're like a driver dude. Yeah. yeah. But if you're an executive or a warehouse manager or whatever, you get a DUI, life goes on. Why is it a career ender for you know the military though? There's a lot of uh inequalities that I believe that needs to be need to be addressed, you know. But so on, on that topic, right? Um so I, I see your point mm-hmm. um, because you are treated differently, right? You are right. I think the best thing that could happen for somebody who ends up with that, like serve your punishment in your unit and then 
put them on order somewhere else so they have a mm-hmm. fresh start. Yep. So I didn't get that, right? Because right. I was the example. So we're going to keep you here and we're going to treat you like garbage. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to be garbage. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an arrogance. And if it is, I really don't care. But I know I'm smarter than every officer who's ever walked this planet. I know right. that. Yeah. And like I said. Oh, by the way, dude, congratulations on ex- getting accepted. To thanks. I'm pretty program. excited about this. That's I'm awesome, pretty excited man. about Good it. for you, dude. Um, so they all told me that my career was ended, right? Um, that guy that we were talking about before, the, that uh-huh. one retired sergeant major. Yeah. He was trying to put me on orders so then I could just get out of the army, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, but that's not for you to decide. Right. The one thing I, I'm very good at is reading. And so mm-hmm. if the army has this manual to show you how to defend yourself or take cover during a nuclear blast, and they have a manual to show you how to dig a hole so you can go to the bathroom in the woods. Right. I think they have a manual to show me how to get rid of my field grade article 15 and my general letter of reprimand. Exactly. And they did. So my general letter of reprimand went into my, um, what, what is it? The private file um, restricted. Yeah. yeah. Restricted file. And my article 15 was expunged completely. Awesome. And so I got picked up to Sergeant first class and I got picked up to master sergeant and promoted first sergeant. It just took a little while, probably costed myself sergeant major, but honestly, I'd never wanted that because right. it's a horrible job. Um, so no, you're right, dude. even though you're going to hear sergeant majors and officers tell you that's it, your career's ended. Why would you listen to them? Exactly. You're the master of your own future, your own career. You know, I, I, when I would talk to Sergeant Majors or whatever, I, like, I would listen, take what I needed to take in, and the rest would go out the other ear. I always knew I was in charge of my own destiny. Yeah, they do have an effect on how they can make it miserable for you to get to your next wherever you need to go, but it is what it is. They're not in charge of you. They're not feeding you. They're not, you know. No, it's just, yeah, they're going to make your life miserable. All right, sure, why not? Cool. Then you over, you know, but they can't control you. <laughs> that dude we were talking about, the uh, retired sergeant major, <laughs> I think that dude wanted to control brains or minds, but he knew, I'm sure he could with some, but with me he couldn't because he, like we talked earlier, like I'll just, you know, it's it's funny how some of, some of them think the rank that's who their identity is, and they try to degrade, demoralize, talk down to, you know. But at the end of the day, yeah. it's crazy. But it's those are the guys that I, I'm most concerned about because, you know, this, right. this podcast is to, like, help people when they transition, right? Yeah. And part of the, the transition is changing your mentality to just being a regular guy again. Well, it's it's. Uh, I, I've talked to some a couple of guys that have retired, and I'm like, hey, the first thing you need to do is, if you have if you lost your identity of who you were before you joined the army or whatever, you need to get it back. Because whether you're a sergeant first class, master sergeant, sergeant major, or whatever, command sergeant major, that's not your identity when you retire. And it, I find it funny when I see. Uh, digital signatures, and it'll say Sergeant First Class retired, or Sergeant Major retired, or Lieutenant Colonel retired, or Colonel retired, or whatever. I think it's funny 
And I just, I like let go of your identity. You're not in the military anymore, you know, but some people to them, that's, yeah. the, that's their life and that's what they want to do, which is fine, but it's not, you know, they should. So, I, I have to be honest and totally upfront. Yeah. Um, when I got out, I was, you know, I, I hate when people, I hated when people did that. Right. I'm mm-hmm. retired. So-and-so. Right. Right. So what I realized is that, and this is just my perspective. This is just my experience, right? That mm-hmm. the ones who really have a hard time letting that go were the E9s, the Sergeant Majors. Yeah. Um, because I, I've run into a few of them who like want to know about the podcast, but they don't even know how to ask like a normal person. It's like, hey, that sounds interesting. Can you like give me a little bit more information? I had right. that one whack job saying there, so Rodriguez, like he, he doesn't move his teeth. Right? <laughs> Tell me why you're doing the podcast. Like, yeah. And I had to tell him, no, I'm not going to. And he's like, no, tell me why. It's like, you're not in charge of anything anymore, dude. Right. If you're not in charge of me. And I had to explain that to him. It's like, no, no. It's like, see you later. Bye, homes. Yep. <laughs> it's funny, man. It's funny. Um, but some of the ones who I thought were going to be the worst were actually the most helpful. So I, I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't know if it's CACI or C-A-C-I. Anyway, they're this big yeah, the company. Yeah. company yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, this one uh, individual, um, when I was going through the Onward to Opportunity program, mm-hmm. right, uh, we did a Zoom meeting, right? And he introduced himself as Major General Retired so-and-so. Right. And I was like, oh, brother, here we go, right? He was the most down-to-earth person and uh-huh. the most helpful person I met when I was looking for uh, employment. Mm-hmm. So although he introduced himself like that, he transitioned out. And, under, now, and now looking at it, I understand why he kept that rank because of where he works on Fort Bragg. Right. So, you know, some of my prejudice, some of my uh, ideas before were true and some were a little off. No, I understand. So, yeah, I, I understand. I, I know this one. Uh, you know him too. I'm not going to say names. But you call him, and on his voicemail greeting, it says, this is Sergeant First Class Retired, Airborne, and says his name. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, (laughs) to me, like I said, I find it funny. Like I said, it's, but for some people, it's, it's, they can't let it, it's their identity. They can't let it go. Like, even now, when I walk around town or whatever, you know, I don't, tell people i don't walk around first of all with any shirt t-shirt dog tags whatever you know america first or whatever unit you were in ball cap or infidel t-shirt or (laughs) (laughs) i don't do that you know but but i see it i see it every day and i don't i don't think i live in a military town but i see it every day and it's just like come on man like, who are you? I love being a veteran. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of that I served my country. But it was it was a career, and I've transitioned out of it. And now, you know, I'm a civilian, and I'm loving it. I love what I, you know, being a civilian. I love that I don't have to deal with nonsense that the Army has, and it has a lot. I like that I can talk freely and I like that. I don't have to listen to anyone else's problems unless I choose to, you know, 
Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, but it's awesome. But to go back to your situation, I, when I was in a, when I had a company, I, I talked to people about your situation and it, what I called it, it was a success story. I didn't say your name or anything, but I told them, Hey, I, I knew a dude well, I still know him that this happened to him. Yeah. And you no, know, he got, you know, returned from uh, the trip. But guess what? Now he's this rank. He stayed in it, and he stayed in the fight, and he didn't let anyone dictate what his next, you know, what his destiny was. I said so. Just because you step on your crank, don't mean your life is over, your career is over. You know, yeah, sure there are. We were talking about that earlier. You know, DUIs or whatever, that career ending in the military. Yeah, you know, but that doesn't mean your life is over. You know. It's just you got to take the negative with the positive and make the best out of it. And like I said, you made it your success story in my book, you know, because it happens. It happens more frequent than we know. How many Sergeant Majors you know and I know that stepped on their crank a whole lot of times when there were E6s, E7s, and they made Sergeant Major. Or they did it while they were Sergeant Majors, <laughs> You know, <laughs> they make CSM. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> or what's even funnier to me, like all the dudes, you know, like when they make those higher ranks and now they're like sergeant majors, class sergeant majors, and then they're busting down and talking about the stuff they use on lower on dudes. I'm like, wait a minute, didn't you do that yourself too? <laughs> so like, wait, I said, I could count. I need more hands I could count when you made the same mistake. Like, why are you coming down on this dude, man? Like, yeah, I like, you know, do whatever you got to do, but that's it, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I, was, uh, I have a funny story. One uh, battalion sergeant major that was uh, – I knew him coming up in the ranks, and he was a, he became battalion sergeant major, and we went out, have a couple of drinks, and I just let – I'd let it go. And, man, I was like, dude. Why did you change? Like, is that true about Star Major Academy? They do lobotomies on you guys or what? Like, why did you change, man? You're, you're an awesome person inside, you know? Yeah, you're a little wacko like the rest of us upstairs, but you're an awesome person inside. Like, why are you being this way now? Just because you have Star Major rank or, you know, or E9 rank. And he's like, you know what, Eddie? You're right. He's like, you're right, dude. I, you know, I have changed. I, I just like, I don't know why. Why can't you just be yourself knowing that you carry that rank that carries a lot of weight, but, you know, not change as a person, in other words, or your mindset. But, yeah. So I remember um, that one crazy uh, battalion commander that we had, right? I remember him stand. there was a that little supply sergeant, uh, little supply specialist, right? And mm-hmm. he he ended up getting DUI because he was having trouble with his wife. Yeah, okay. And uh, he was actually uh, Diego was the first sergeant for that company, right? Oh, okay. I'm trying and to remember. I don't think I was the supply specialist got in trouble, right? He got a mm-hmm. DUI, so we stand out in front of the battalion and battalion commander. You know, he was this super super officer, right? Every tab mm-hmm. known to man, every badge right. known to man. And he was telling us that we were all disgraced. We were all, 
should be ashamed of ourselves. And he would not go to combat with a single one of us. He named like two people that he would go to combat with. Right. And, okay. Sure. Whatever. Like, like, bro, I really don't care. I just want to get out of this formation. <laughs> and not 24 hours later, he's coming onto post and uh, the main gate at Fort Bragg. Uh-huh. And he crashes his car right into one of those uh, concrete poles. Barriers, yeah. Because he is was loaded on his uh, pain meds, right? His uh, mm-hmm. oxycodone, which mm-hmm. makes him sleepy. Right. But to stay awake, he was doing coke. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and by the grace of God, he didn't kill anyone. Right. Wasn't he always sleeping with the guy from third group, like his wife or something like that? Yes. He, this yeah. is a guy who went to Haiti. Yeah. Um, oh, that during, dude was so funny. Cause when I was in Haiti, yeah. <laughs> that dude. Yeah. That dude too. Yeah. Remember that guy now? Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> um, so th- that's why I don't, you know, I say, and, 99% of the officers I worked with in my military career, I just don't trust. Right. You know, um, because that was my example. And then, of course, every officer that I dealt with in the 82nd Airborne Division, <laughs> it was, they were just hot garbage. Right. And if you're listening to this and you have a problem, let me know. I'll tell you straight to your face because I don't care. Right. I'm not in the Army anymore. Or invite them you, into the podcast and let them. Yeah. No, 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 no. This podcast, <laughs> and that's what I explain to people, this podcast yeah. Is mine for you, yeah, yeah. After the army, you know, I needed something just for me, right? I'll take advice, but the final decision is all yeah, mine. It's, it's your gig, man. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> so I'll invite people on that I want to invite on. I've, I've extended the invitation to. Um, I know there are a lot of veterans across this country who served during Vietnam. I'd love to have some Vietnam vets, some Gulf War vets um, on here, so I can hear their story and they can tell us how they dealt with the VA. Yeah. Uh, but for officers that I dealt with in the 82nd, no, no. I don't want you on here. <laughs> no. Persona non grata. There you go. <laughs> and for a lot of the officers that we dealt with in civil affairs, no, I don't want you on here either. Yeah, there are very few that I still communicate with yeah. or have respect for. Very few. James? Would love to have him on here once he retires because I don't once want to get retires, him in trouble. Yeah. Jason, awesome freaking leader. Hey, everyone. So this is uh, the end of episode one with Eddie. Um, please stay tuned. And episode two will be out in the next few days. Um, just remember you are special, you are important, and you have something that makes you different from everybody else. Just identify what that is and maximize it to uh, your fullest potential. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Take it easy. Zot, zot, zot. And roll tide.